I'm Holly Tucker, and welcome to my podcast, Conversations of Inspiration. Founder of Not on the High Street and Holly & Co., I'm the UK ambassador of creative small businesses. I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life, and my dream is to help everyone start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom and encouragement. And in my view, the greatest way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to all my favourite small businesses, acclaimed entrepreneurs and those who just simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. With thanks to our sponsor NatWest, who have helped bring this free podcast to life. Here are my conversations of inspiration. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down where we're going. You this week in my podcast, I'm speaking to Ella Mills, also known as Deliciously Ella. Food blogger, entrepreneur and deli owner, Ella's empire started simply from a passion for eating healthily. After suffering from a debilitating illness, Ella researched diets that would help ease her symptoms. She blogged about her findings and garnered a huge following of loyal fans who too were interested in eating vegetables in a more inspiring way. She's gone on to launch a hugely successful app and three cookbooks, of which her first became the fastest selling debut cookbook of all time. She now produces her own range of food products and more recently brought her brand to life with her deli in central London, which is where I had the pleasure of meeting Ella. We chatted about her journey so far, listening to the lessons she's learned from scaling her business, allowing her community to shape her future, navigating social media and how she believes following your passion is what brings true success. Hi Ella, thank you so much for having me in your beautiful deli here in London. It is just absolutely everything I love. It's wholesome, it's real, it's fresh, it's just extraordinary. You must be so proud. Oh, well, thank you and um, obviously welcome. Yeah, it's really nice. We started online and so to kind of have a physical space that you come into every day and it kind of reminds you like this is what we do, you can kind of really live it and breathe it. I think that's what makes me really proud and see, you kind of get to see all the physical people come in, have something, try something. Whereas with lots of the other elements that we do, I don't know who's picking it up, I don't know who's buying it, I don't know who's cooking it, which is really nice to be able to kind of really see Delicious Ella come to life there. I absolutely agree. With Holly & Co, we've just had a, a year and a half ago, we um, launched a physical space. And I love meeting people, seeing the whites of their eyes, knowing what they're smiling at, seeing children walk in. I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful. Was that the reason? It was because you wanted to meet your community? Yeah, exactly. So we started originally with the blog, that transitioned to social media, then to an app, then to books. And it was after my first book came out that I then started working with Matt, my husband. And the first thing we wanted to do exactly was to kind of... And it was honestly, our brand has been so community-led. Um, the community's kind of always at the heart of what we do. And pretty much all our decisions are based on their feedback and what they want. And we just were inundated with people saying, bring it to life, I want a physical space, I want a physical space, I want a physical space. And I just love the idea, you know, I'd started just yellow 
for lots of reasons, but so much part of it was I wanted to change the preconceptions of how people thought about healthier cooking, about plant-based cooking. And to me, there was no better way of doing it than to actually bring it to life where you could come in and it was colourful and it was abundant and it wasn't weird and it didn't feel niche and freaky. And um, and that was one of the things I was really excited about as well. It's just that ability to really kind of yeah, make something three-dimensional and then it, all the people become real. So much of what I'd done was interacting with, you know, at Joe Smith from wherever yes, and it's yes. an Instagram handle or it's yeah. a Twitter handle or it's an email address and we do events and cooking classes and things like that which is wonderful because it worked but only in smaller groups whereas there suddenly there was this constant influx of people it's really inspiring it definitely is like, for me that's what makes me kind of excited about what we do and like every now and again I have to lock myself you know in a little room be like open your computer (laughs) write something plan something do something because I've got such bad tendency I'll go in and I'll just spend like two hours chatting to all the team chatting to all the customers oh what did you try to say oh you like that interesting you should try this and then sometimes like Uh I've noticed this did you work and suddenly open your to-do list and you're like go and sit in the corner well you know, I know your story well. I'm a, I'm a very big fan, have all your books. And I just actually, from our interactions and, and um, knowing you not long, just actually you are, um, you're very, very special, actually, just so you know. I know it's a bit embarrassing to say that, but you are, and I can tell that from your brand, actually, and that's why I'm a massive fan of yours. But if you can tell me about your story and where it really all began. Yeah, of um, course. That would be fantastic. So it's always kind of, whenever people ask that, you always have one of those kind of really funny, quite surreal moments where I'm sitting here with you, with, you know, creative brand that everyone knows and you know, we shop, shopped on for ages and you suddenly think, oh my gosh, I'm here. And how on earth did that happen? And you kind of think back to the story and it's, it's strange in a way and I'm sure it's the case with lots of businesses when they come from a personal passion because possibly and quite probably there was never the intention of the business which was very much the case with us so I actually didn't really have much interest in food and um, was like a Ben and Jerry's Haribo fan rather than a broccoli fan and after my second year at university I got really unwell I'm really out of nowhere and I spent about four months in now hospital no one could figure out what was wrong but I was then diagnosed at the end of that period with something called um, postural tachycardia syndrome it's quite a mouthful and then a couple of kind of subsidiary things on that something called Ehlers-Danlos type 3 and Marcel activation disorder I mean a kind of whole cocktail of quite bizarre things and I basically I couldn't control my heart rate properly or my blood pressure that was the kind of defining characteristics of the illness but with that came um, all kinds of digestive issues chronic fatigue lots of infections yeah my body just basically stopped working properly and I was put on um, steroids and had to try things like beta blockers by the time I was 20 and that was obviously never where I expected to get to with life truth be told I wasn't super ambitious I wasn't completely sure where I was going anyway but I certainly wasn't going to there and so there it was a was back in bed basically I watched every episode of the Kardashians and Grey's Anatomy and all the good stuff and I spent about a year doing that I didn't really see anyone I didn't really do anything and I really kind of wallowed in my inability to do anything and kind of complete confusion and I really struggled with my mental health during that time and I got to a point where I really didn't care anymore but it was becoming so clear to me how much it was affecting my mum and my mum has always been massive rock for me she's amazing and starting to understand how unhappy me being so unhappy was making her was 
kind of one of the turning points really for me in it. And so I started looking at what else I could do just to kind of support what the doctors were doing. And I started researching lifestyle and diet and was really inspired by different other people's stories that I read. And I thought, well, you know, if elements of this has been useful for them, I really don't have anything to lose at this point by trying to eat my five a day, you know, put more kind of natural homemade foods in the middle of my plate, not so much pick and mix. And um, but couldn't cook, and so um, I decided. Well, that's easy. I'm just going to learn to cook. And so I started looking for kind of, was looking for lots of vegetarian stuff with that idea of focusing on the kind of five a day being the core core of my meals. And I just was so uninspired by what I was finding, and so that's why I started Deliciousiella. So a the cooking issue, learning to cook to see if it would help me. But then B, as I said, I was really struggling with my mental health, and you know. As you know, like passion and purpose is really important in life. And I had negative passion and purpose at this point. And so Mm -hmm. I had no reason to get up Mm -hmm. every day. I was never learning. I was never growing. And so the idea was I needed a hobby. I needed a hobby that was realistic given the circumstances. But learning to cook and photograph the food, understand what a blog is, upload the images to the blog, etc. That was really plausible given the situation. And so that's what I learned to do. And that's where Delicious Yellow came from. And it grew very very organically and kind of completely unintentionally to begin with it's fascinating and and it's another reason i applaud you is how open you speak about mental health and 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 this issue and it's obviously an issue that is just hugely topical at the moment fantastically that we're talking about it but that so many people do suffer from um i have personal experience with those in my life who suffer from depression and you talked about passion and purpose Mm. and i've got i I couldn't say it better that, that this for me creativity and having that purpose in your life can actually take you out of those darker days and maybe we don't talk enough and maybe about that exact point, which is when the young maybe not having direction or knowing what they're going to do or feeling that they can get control of their life. Do you think that that, this sort of business, almost brought you to that happier place? Oh, 100%. Honestly, Delicious Ella completely saved me. It really did. You know, realising that starting a business actually on the back of, and it doesn't have to be anything as kind of lengthy as what I was saying, but starting on the back of passion and a reason for being and a kind of really genuine and authentic why is actually an incredibly powerful thing because there are going to be lots of other difficult moments, whether that's professional or personal. But permanently having the reason so entrenched in your soul as to why you do what you do means you will come back to it i told you i I call it sort of my um, golden thread of life yeah exactly and so if you have that thing that's sewn all the way through whatever happens whatever flexes it you will come back so you will come back to it and it's to find that golden thread isn't it completely and that's not easy you know and i I fell into mine and i don't you know people always say what would you be doing if you weren't doing this and i have no idea And I'm incredibly grateful, actually, for the difficult period because I think, although sometimes I still get frustrated when elements of illness come back or flare up or something, I know that even if I have to deal with that, I am definitely, infinitely, incomparably happier on a day-to-day basis because I feel like I have got a structure in my life that has created a kind of much deeper sense of meaning Mm. than I think I would have had without it. Yeah. So you started 
basically your business from uni days. Yeah, um, exactly. And I've heard you say that you've never actually had a job. No, I've the- never had a job. <laughs> I've never had a job. So you've never had a job. And that will be so inspiring to our, our younger listeners as there's, I feel, an absolutely huge amount of pressure um, in education to sort of get I know. all of the A's. But I look back, all the kind of stress everyone put themselves through, and I'm not saying you shouldn't try for exams. I think ambition is always good because ambition does link to that kind of passion and purpose. But the pressure it's an, a crazy thing and something I'm passionate about is giving our younger generations the tools to run a business to understand even the structure because when you think that huge percentage of people leaving or graduating really don't understand maybe the first things of the fact that they are maybe going to be their own brand in the future and when I think that I'm someone who left school at 18 years old I didn't go to university I got a D in business studies hello brilliant thank you Mr Perkins if you're listening um but the point is is that you know as you said, it's not this ready-gone conclusion no. that, you know, this pitch-perfect education will mean that your life is sorted. So you didn't have that business background. You came no, out of uni. So how did you... What, what would be your advice to young people who are thinking, OK, I'm, I'm going to have to go and make this on my own? Gosh, there's so many things. I mean, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made is I had no faith in myself or my abilities or the future of what I was doing. So after I graduated, I was feeling it was really helping me and I was starting to feel better, but I wasn't well enough to do a full-time job, which was, again, a blessing in a way. Because of that, I started looking at what I could do with Delicious Yellow part-time to start making some money and take it further, and that led me to cooking classes originally, but then to an app. And the app's the most brilliant example of it because... You know, Delicious was growing, the community was, you know, really engaged. This was my first project. And I never created a contract with the person Mm. because I never Mm -hmm. had... I was so embarrassed Mm -hmm. to go and ask for help. And I was so kind of thought, oh, everyone's just going to dismiss me as kind of a silly little girl that I never went. And as a result, until about four months ago, we actually didn't own our app. I'm pleased to say we do now, almost um, four and a half years later. And it's just a really good example of kind of the mistakes I made in not believing in myself to go and ask for help. That's why I've realised so much. It's really important to acknowledge your strengths, but most, almost importantly, your weaknesses. You know, for me, like Delicious Yellow, the vision of it is my strength, the kind of passion behind it, the creativity behind it, the voice. You know, the operations, the finance is my ultimate weakness. I'm really not very good at that, partly because I'm not interested in it be frank mm-hmm. um but it's not how my brain works either see a spreadsheet and my eyes glaze over yeah. and and so ensuring that you get help in that space you work on that space or you start to work with other people find a partner and for me it was finding a partner that was really the magic moment for our Yin business yang. yeah and actually you know sometimes people say oh you know why why do you always say you know it's half and half you know it's your name it's your brand why do you always give matt all the credit I just know that in a non-self-deprecating way, we'd never, ever be anywhere near where we are today without us doing it together. I just didn't know enough, and I don't think there's any shame in, in saying that. You've spoken about the imposter syndrome. Mm. So, so from that point of maybe knowing that you weren't everything yeah. that was required in a business, that's one thing from spreadsheets to, you know, you don't want to do legals, let's just say. No, I don't. <laughs> but when we talk about that imposter syndrome, do you think that that can be mixed between what you don't think you're good at, but what about that voice? Yeah, and finding the line between the two is, I think, 
it's fundamental to success actually because I think for anyone male female whatever job you do whatever company you work in acknowledging your strengths and weaknesses is really really important I think that's how you get to the next level no one is expected to be brilliant at everything but if you can really excel in one area and ask for help in the next you're going to do a much better job that is as you said that is absolutely not the same as self-doubt and as saying I'm not good at maths and you know I don't think I'm very good in general and for me that was quite an interesting journey because Tushitella started definitely for me during a period of kind of quite low self-confidence and then Matt and I started working together and that was really exciting but one of the things we said as a couple and as a leadership team was we want acknowledging our strengths and weaknesses no ego in our business to be a kind of fundamental framework of the way that we run our company and in that you know Matt had worked in finance and business development he had infinitely more experience than I did but he'd never worked in a you know FMCG company before you know hadn't worked in the retail space so we said well we've got to go and hire people who are you know excelling in that area so there we were then a few months later sitting in a room you know so one of the people we hired is a brilliant guy called Dan who's our MD of the products business and he was the head of innovation at Innocent and suddenly there he is with you know a good decade more experience than I am we're sitting in a meeting and he was talking about FSDUs and something and I just remember saying I felt like such an idiot I went out, Googled it, freestanding display unit. You know, it's actually a cardboard <laughs> box we were talking about. You know, it really wasn't. But you felt that impossible with that felt, cardboard box. So I didn't yeah. say anything. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I sat through quite a lot of meetings mm. as kind of in the beginning of phase two of Delicious Yellow and the kind of real generation of the business side of it. Silent. Because I felt like I was stupid compared to everyone else because I didn't have so much experience. You didn't actually, deserve a space at the table. No, but actually the wake-up moment for me was because Drillichella grew very organically, we never did a branding project. So we never sat down and was like, right, this is our logo, this is our font, this is our colour palette. It all just really originated from kind of my social media pages, basically. And so got to a point where we said, right, we've got books, we've got an app, we've got products, we've got the deli, we've got a website, we've got blah, 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 blah. It's not consistent. We really should be consistent. It's really important. Obviously, all good brands are consistent in their imagery. And so we started the project. And I just remember even in the second meeting, they were just right we've gone to this amazing branding agency they do all the best brands in this space but because of that actually it's probably exactly why they were wrong for us because Mm -hmm. it is quite a different Mm -hmm. brand in the sense it is very personal it comes from a very personal place and it has this kind of years and years of community which is what built it up and it can't really be generic because that's just not what it is anyway so much money which we didn't have later six months in the whole thing went in the bin and I could have told you that on day one we still would have probably had to spend money on that meeting but we would have been a year ahead of where we are today which would have been incredibly important for our business and I'm yes, sure would have been yes. very helpful yes and we wouldn't have wasted money that we didn't have um, and have to take out you know another loan against the house as a result I mean really kind of really massive mistakes and that was my wake-up moment where I was like but you knew that and you know that better than anyone because you know the vision of Delicious Yella you know you know what it is you know what those kind of subtle nuances are and that's the USP of the brand and if you can't put your hand up at the table then the brand's just like anyone else's brand and the people the brand with more money is gonna be better than your brand's you know 
and I don't know if it's a female thing, this instant thing that the belief that other voices are more, well, they have the space at the table. And, and so actually we should sit here and listen and we should listen and we should reserve our judgment and reserve our voice. Maybe we'll go away and think about that and then we'll come back and maybe ask a question. And, and I just think that it, you know, and especially big hires or that scaling, that mm. position that you were in scaling. And obviously I've been through that yeah. where you're bringing people with much more experience on board. It's intimidating. It's intimidating, but at the same time, it's what you just said. It's, you know it better than anybody. You know, brands are born. They have parents. Exactly. And, and you need to nurture them because brands, you know, when, when someone loves a brand, it's, more, it's completely worth its weight in gold a thousand and one times over. It's so valuable. It makes it really special. And you can't buy that. I really hope you're enjoying my conversations of inspiration. I wanted to also tell you about an event that I'm putting on in September called the Congregation of Inspiration, the ultimate small business event for creative entrepreneurs coming together for a day like no other, full of incredible speakers such as Julie Dean, who created the Cambridge Satchel Company and was one of my first guests on this podcast and other inspiring founders of businesses such as Selfish Mother, The Happy Newspaper and Vicky's Donuts. I'm going to talk about business in a way that's refreshing. The tips, the hacks and the wish-I'd-knowns. At the Congregation of Inspiration, I want to give you jargon-free business advice that you just can't Google. So please join me on the 28th of September for a day that just might change your life. Tickets and more information can be found via my website, holly.co. I hope to see you there. You said when you're an experienced in your career, but closer to the brand than anyone else, that's an interesting challenge. Sometimes you need to sit up and say, no, that's just not the right thing for us. So when... You obviously have gone through this work mm. with your brand. Do you still feel it's very difficult to stay true to this brand, to, to navigate what must be that you must have many opportunities coming your way? And that know, sort of magic, what is that thing? It's actually that's... getting easier. Do you know, it's a funny thing in a way. It was almost like we had to prove it a little bit, and I wonder if I had to prove it to myself a little bit, that, that it was going to work, and I think people can see that the way we're doing it does work and so there must be something in it you know I'm very clear on what our brand is and what we will do and what we won't do and so I think it's got to a point that people just know you know that aren't we're never going to make compromises we're never going to make sacrifices we are who we are and it's I, I think of it um I always I, I say in the office about um, Adele and when she releases yeah. albums I, I feel that the future of fantastic brands and I'm very interested to see how your brand develops because I think it has all of the foundations. I, I refer to brands as sort of the roots in a, a, a tree that's got to bear a yeah. hundred years worth of storms. And so when you think about it and you think about Adele and how she'll release one album and she'll just go away and she'll work up the genius music that she's going to release in yeah. another two, three years. Who knows when it will be? But when the time is right, she will come back. This is her brand. And so I feel that in the day of social media and a lot of things, exactly. we can be very, very quick. 
but for you to weather the storms of actually a lifetime if you want to do this yeah, you for your can't lifetime. do the short-term stuff but it's true i mean i remember when we was you know when my social media was kind of really kind of picking up and growing fast you start to get all these kind of offers and things come in and you know you get some pretty brilliant offers come in and people can pay you a lot of money to like advertise a mattress yeah and it's very tempting because you're looking at the rest of the business thinking, gosh, we've got rent to pay. We've got people to pay. This is interesting. You're going to pay me a lot of money to do absolutely nothing. But you again realize, sure, we can do that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people wouldn't notice once. But, you know, many times in, like, what, what, what's your, why are people coming back to you again? You just leave the door open for the next person to kind of take your customers, take your readers because you're not different anymore you you and it's i think always looking at what that bigger picture is i think you're completely right you've got to look at 100 years and each decision that you make does build the story of who your company are and how people view you everyone's going to make mistakes in that journey but if you make too many little kind of you know dives one way the other way it just stops being clear to people who you are and i think that's really important but the other thing i was going to say is actually as the team expand it becomes easier as well because when it was just Matt and I to begin with, you know, when we opened the first deli, like, we were in there. I was behind the tills. He was in charge of cleaning up. Plus, building the plans to launch the retail products business. Plus, opening the next deli. Plus the book. Plus the social media. Plus everything. You're a firefighter, basically. And you're going from one problem to the next every 30 seconds. You don't really have time to look at and kind of hug your brand in the kind of most loving and holistic way that you would want to do that. And as we've brought people in to be in charge of different areas, I've been able to actually step away from being a firefighter kind of 90% of the time and able to look at, okay, who are we? How can we be better for our audience? How can we be more useful for our audience? How can we be more consistent? You've got your toes and fingers in a number of elements in your brand. I'm interested to know what you feel, because you've got these different touch points within your brand. Have you felt confident because you knew knew who you were, you knew the vision? Do you think that that's the future when you look in the next 20 years' time? Do you think that those are going to be the brands that we're going to relate to more? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I mean, so for me, kind of the founding principle of Delicious Yellow was to be useful. It can't be kind of shit for the sake of making and selling shit to make money. As we said, that kind of short-term thing, that is the antithesis of who we are. But at the same time, I do think people want to connect with you in lots of different ways. You know, so for us, you know, our main kind of focus on a commercial sense is the food products business. So we're in about 6,000 stores now. We've got three ranges. We've got another one coming out in October. It's brilliant. It's going really well. It's really exciting. We obviously have absolutely no budget compared to, you know, the companies that Mars own that we're sitting next to. You know, they launched a cereal bar line at the same time we launched our oat bars, literally sitting next to us. One of the things that I think is actually incredibly exciting for, for brands like ours and people starting today is that you have creative ways to now overcome that and as a result bring your brand so much more to life making it so much deeper but such a bigger part of people's life so one of the things that we always say is you know i want to give you ideas every day whether that's because you follow us on social media or on youtube or something like that on our website to get you that bit more connected to us because we are a useful part of your life then you go into store and you see us next to the brand that mars owns or whoever it is and you do i think I hope this is working as a strategy, have more loyalty to us because it's not transactional anymore. And I think in order to 
show your audience and your customers what that is having the multifaceted approach really helps because there's so many different ways to communicate and so many different ways to share content share information share ideas that you do i think in a way quite need to tap into other places in order to completely bring that to life i think i call i lecture on it i call it emotional commerce and so you when we make thirty thousand decisions a day and 95 percent you wouldn't believe this is emotional Okay, so That's 5% so is rational. Now, your Mars or Amazon's delivery or yeah. um, a penny off, you wouldn't believe, and, and actually I would say businesses are fraught with people telling you about that 5% of rational. Mm. I absolutely do not believe that there is a 95% of the workforce that's dealing with emotional connection with your customer. Yeah. And actually that's what you're describing there. You emotionally connect with your customer and then the money comes because they have faith in your brand. They know that when they scratch the surface and then they scratch again, you are going to be true. Complete. And that we care. They send a message on Instagram. I reply. It's yeah. me. But just generally on social media and the effect, both po- positive and negative, it's having. You've obviously founded your business through this um, community. And I heard Matt say that your reach is about 28 million, which is yeah, so now, phenomenal. Now a week on Instagram, we get 12 to 20 million impressions a week. It's so nuts. It's, it's absolutely it's an amazing and thank goodness it's a brand like yours that is is having that reach you know that's a very positive thing it's it gives me faith but social media also can have a, a very detrimental effect on people and I, I would say my son's 13 and watching some of his classmates and what I see going on going through looking at themselves looking comparing themselves to others I know you said social media is a snapshot it's ideas it's inspiration a highlight reel it's not real the more we talk about it hopefully the less this will be the case how do you view social media in your future and and is it integral to what you do and how do you deal with that negativity that you also deal Mm. with yeah it's a fascinating topic you know I think it's, it's that fine line isn't it it's really difficult to tread and as a business as well that was why as I said you know I never wanted to be a kind of marketing vehicle for other people's platforms and you know what's the longevity of it you know you've got abs today and can talk about gym equipment or you've got you know traveling around the world taking pictures of the beach in Bali it's brilliant but what happens when you're 70 you know what where's you know or, or the next kind of hot new thing comes up what, what, where do you stand with that? And that actually petrified me. I was like, this is just not sustainable for me. I've always been very conscientious that whilst it does play a big part in our communications, if it went tomorrow, that's okay too. But I do, I do think it's amazing and I do think it's incredibly exciting for younger generations to be able to create businesses for free. You know, we, up until January this year, which was four and a half years into Delicious Yellow kind of being a business... Um, we had no one in our marketing department. We therefore created that level of sales, retail listings, etc., etc., all on the back of this concept of community online. I don't think Delicious Yellow would have ever started no. a decade yeah. ago because I never would have got the opportunity to share our voice anywhere else. No one would have put a pun on tracking me on TV or anything like that. And, you know, no way. If I was a small business listening now, give me two, three things that you'd say 
now looking back, you would say, right, these are the core things to build a community that cares? So I think the first thing that I did, and this was pretty accidental, um, but I think engaging. I had nothing else to do when I started writing Delicious Yellow. I was in bed, as I said, I was watching Grey's Anatomy and Kim Kardashian on TV. I mean, I was not busy. Um, and so I had loads of time. So I if you emailed me saying you'd made something for dinner, I wanted to know about it. I really started to get to know our audience. That did one of two things. First of all, it created that loyal sense of community because we were in this together, I was talking to you. But in you feeling like I cared, I also understood you. And therefore, the direction that Delicious Yellow was taking was always for the audience. So it was always for those people. So they stayed. And what I realised as well is I think, you know, sometimes now social media is a bit older than it was at that point. You look at it and people have such big numbers and you think, oh my gosh, I can't do anything with my numbers. I don't think that's true either because Delicious Yellow, almost the most powerful point, was our app. And we had a really small community then, just, you know, relatively speaking, but, you know, tens of thousands of people went to number one overnight on the iTunes store. No marketing, no publicity, nothing. Solely the community. And that was the same with the first book. It yeah. went to number one before it came out because yeah. of the community. The nurturing. You totally. nurtured it. Right so you, from the... You, exactly. It was an infant, wasn't it? And totally. you cared for it. Engage with those people. Yeah. Show them how much they matter and learn from them. Always. Well, it's all well and good for me saying, well, I should do this, I should do that. They're the users. They know what they want. And so listen to them. Really, really do that. I think that's so important. And is if, that, if you want to use social media for your business, which I think you should, that is number one rule. And I think the second thing is um, to, to try and be really useful for them. Know who you are and what you do and why, you know, what's that page about? Be really, really consistent in that and allow, therefore, readers will come back. And I see people do that a little bit with people are starting business and they'll mix their kind of professional one and their personal one and they think, oh, well, no one's really following this, it doesn't matter, I'll just share a picture of my niece or something like that. It's not to say, you can build that into the narrative completely, but, you know make the holiday snaps relevant to the brand rather than it just being like, here's my sister eating a taco. And, and tell me, you you know, and I've read it and seen the difficult moments that you need to yeah. deal with also on social media and, you know, the, the laziness of yeah. press, to be honest with you. And how do you deal with these negative moments that come across Instagram, Facebook, in the press? Yeah, no, I found it really hard, to be honest, at moments. And I think what I've learned and it would be definitely my advice is in terms of criticism it is dividing it into two categories and the first you might not always want to hear let's be honest no one likes criticism but constructive criticism is really good actually sometimes it's not always delivered as nicely as you'd like it to be but good in the long term and I think you've got to again put your ego to one side and you've got to listen to it and you've got to take it on board but then there's other criticism which can just be so frustrating or someone you know you look at people's comments and they're like tagging their friend and like oh my god is she pregnant she looks like she's pregnant she got she's put on loads of weight and I'm like no I just ate like a really big Indian for lunch <laughs> you can't rise to it like you're never going to make everyone happy and Matt actually will pull, pull me up on it quite often look through it and say there's 300 comments under something he'll be he's called me up for and he's like why have you replied to the only negative comment I can see one negative comment out of 300 that's not even one percent it's the only one you've replied to right now and it's so true there we are 299 lovely comments saying they can't wait to make it and one person saying this isn't even a recipe it's just pasta with tomato and I'm like no but that's the point of delicious yellow it's meant to be easy and there you are defending yourself about that it's meant to be easy it's just an idea and you just thinking, what's 299 people that like it? Why are you not saying to them, I'm so glad you like it? 
<laughs> and it is easy. So you divide these things up and you divide yeah, and conquer. Chuck it in the bin. Yes, learn or from it. learn from it. Brilliant. And and tell me, you work with your lovely husband Matt, and you've referred to him a number of times. When I mentor small businesses, a number of people start working with their partners. I'm very proud of the sort of rebirth of British family businesses. And I love actually, it. it. The fact that this can happen. But how have you been able to design a life where it's not 24-7? Um, yeah. And, 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 do, and do you physically, do you actually talk about that or actually divide it up? Yeah, I think dividing it up was the key for us. I think mostly because you have so much familiarity with your family that also, I think, in meetings and things like that, it's good if you kind of respect the other person's opinion completely rather than, you know, it's like when you're with your siblings, you're like, you're so annoying. You wouldn't talk to your colleagues like that. You know? <laughs> I think it's important, exactly, to kind of come at it from different approaches. And it was easy in a way for us because, as I said, I'd never had another job before. My experience was in Delicious Yellow. Matt can't cook. He can't even, he literally can't make pasta. But he is absolutely the most emotionally intelligent person I've ever met which makes him second to none of anyone I've ever experienced in dealing with the people unbelievable and he absolutely loves a spreadsheet he is so kind of thorough and detailed orientated and he's very ambitious and he pushes me to be more ambitious and as a result it works very well because we sit next to each other our desks are next to each other we go to work together we share the kind of overall passion and purpose for what we're doing and what the aim is and what the 25-year plan is, etc. But we also have a lot of separation. And actually, you know, it's, most days we have very little time together in between meetings and things like that. We, all the big decisions we make together, that's really important. But the day-to-day stuff, he does one thing, I do another. And I think for us, that's definitely how we make it work. And for me... I knew as soon as Matt and I started talking about it that there would be never anybody that I would trust and respect to lead the kind of business side of Delicious Yellow more, ever. Um, I wanted to touch, if you don't mind, on um, something that you've gone through lately. Matt's mother was the late, brilliant Tessa Jow, who passed away in May of this year. Um, She was the former Labour Cabinet Minister and an extraordinary woman. She used her illness at a time where she was properly ill to shine a light on so many great causes, leading the debate in the Lords and in the Commons uh, that got the government to put more money into cancer care, even though she was so gravely ill herself. And I know you were incredibly close to her. Um, Have you reflected, have you had time to reflect yet on what she's given you and, and what you're going to take forward? Yeah, I mean, there's honestly so many, so many different points. I think one of the things that she taught me, especially that I know I will kind of always take forward in Delicious Yella and anything that I do in my life kind of career-wise, and I, such, she's been such a brilliant example of it, is that idea of being completely kind and open and soft and feminine, but so strong at the same time. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, in the last year, her life when she was campaigning against cancer that's why she was so successful at it because she was so vulnerable in her own story and who she was and the difficulty she was going through it with it which really inspired everyone and people related to so much she said so many people are going through it themselves or someone close to them is going through it or they've been through it or they will go through it but then at the same time she meant it you know she was there with purpose real purpose and she 
you know, what she was heckling Jeremy Hunter, one thing he was talking to, you know, you know now what you need to do. And she, you know, she was there with real, real, you know, you could, there was no mistaking why she was there. She was getting that money for cancer. She was so, so certain on that. But yet she delivered it with such openness, such kindness, such warmth that brought everyone in. And I do think that, and that's what she always talked to us, and she talked to Matt and I about it, no, and she, you know, Matt always says this one thing, so he will always take away from time with his mum talking about it, was that idea of like mission-led leadership, and that is what she had in spades. It's how she got the Olympics here, and it's how she did so well this year, and she, it is really, really powerful. And I think, you know, going through it this year, kind of scaling up a startup, and dealing with that, at the same time, you know, we knew she was very ill from the beginning and that we had a kind of quite finite amount of time. And it, it's a, you know, it's really difficult to kind of come into work and be the people that people lead, lean on and kind of look to to make the decisions and create the company culture. And it's hard to create company culture when you feel kind of at a very low point in your life. Um, but it's a good lesson about the fact that you can do it. And, you know, even on the kind of the most difficult day where I think, you know, Matt especially just thought, I can't do this anymore, it's too much. You can, and you always can. And you always, you know, you just got to put one foot in front of the other and there is, there's always going to be some light at the end of the tunnel and you are going to be okay and you are going to get through it. And I think that has been a really valuable lesson actually for us. It's been incredibly painful, incredibly difficult and, you know, not something that's obviously ended by any means stretch of imagination. It's kind of, especially for Matt it's an emotional thing that you know he will deal with the rest of his life but a lot you know in the next few months but you know he's still here and he's leading and he's doing a brilliant job and I think again the idea of passion that's what sees you through and if I ever had advice for people never start a business that you don't really care about you know even if the financial you know look brilliant because when you're sitting there you know and I know I've watched him this year like his mum was dying and he knew his mum was dying and yet he always came back to it because, you know, he said all the time, my mum was the first minister for health, really matters to her. Prevention, you know, 27% of our country, there five a day. I want to change that. I want to change the perceptions of healthy eating. I want healthier options on the table. It brings him back. It always mm. brings him back. And if you're there just for commercial purposes and there's big mm. things happening in your life and they're really sucking you emotionally, I don't know how you always come back. Mm. It's, that's a, it's very beautiful what you've just said. So with what we've just spoken about in mind and thinking about how Matt's mum would love all your success and she did and she will always, tell me what you would say one of your proudest moments has been so far on this roller coaster. I use that analogy a lot, yeah. this roller coaster of running your own business. Do you know, I think I've had two. Am I allowed to? Yeah, you're allowed okay, to, of good. course. Okay, so I think the first one was, it was summer 2016, so about two years ago. Man, I'd opened the first deli and we were just launching the retail products and I was getting pretty nervous. We were in pretty deep at this point. You know, the loan was against the house. It was, it was feeling a little bit uncomfortable. And um, Matt was so confident, always so confident. And he said, I'm going um, to email Starbucks. I really think they should stock the energy balls. I said, please don't email Starbucks. This is so embarrassing. This is really <laughs> embarrassing. And they're just going to laugh. They're just going to absolutely laugh. They'd be like, this is a little blogger. You know, you wouldn't even have a product basically at this point. So he went on LinkedIn, found the MD of Starbucks in the UK and emailed 20 different variations of his name. Anyway, one of them got through and um, he emailed back within about half an hour saying it's really exciting, it's really interesting. I think you guys should come in next week and tell us about it. 
Anyway, so there we are. And Dan, who I mentioned earlier, who's our um, MD of our products business, Dan was prepping us for how hard this was going to be the hardest meeting we ever did. And, it was nice. and we got there and there were goodie bags. And he was so excited about it. Anyway, we left the meeting and they said, we, we're going to do it. And, but they said, we want it in six weeks. Anyway, so we were kind of there and we were trying to play really cool, obviously, in the meeting. Like, oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, we know we'll look at the margins. And anyway, we got in the lift and the three of us were just screaming. And, oh, my God, we're going to do it. This is going to happen. And, you know, this is real now. And then, but it, that was on a Wednesday. And that weekend, we were taking the Delhi to Wilderness Festival. And it was the first time we've kind of done anything big like that. So there we are. And so Starbucks then want to get on the phone. They want this to happen. And so Matt and I are sitting in the back of our tent in a field <laughs> like camping in wilderness. but obviously not when you Starbucks no, so no, you know, we're no. not at a festival no, you're like, like a professional we're very professional we're very serious we're in an office so there we are at the back and we've got literally a line out the door 1.5 metric tons of food like flying like nothing's ever flown <laughs> on the phone to one to our manufacturing partner being like we need it in six weeks for Starbucks for 400 sorts on the phone to Starbucks absolutely we, no we can get it delivered it to you sorted. as soon as possible they're like I can't hear you that well we're like oh, I'm so sorry I'm, I'm not sure why that could be like maybe our Wi-Fi is not strong <laughs> and so then it was just it was this amazing moment it was so oh, manic wow. but so alive like you had you know this wow. big team of people making all this food all these customers things running out the door and the biggest deal of your life the biggest through. deal of our life and it was that sense that we'd worked on this for a long time and it was happening and then the second moment actually was um last year like last year was a it was a difficult year um anyway and we got invited to nominate ourselves for the Ernst and Young Entrepreneur of the Year and they have the rising star category and again I just literally chucked it out one of our colleagues friend works there and he works in that department he said no I really think actually you should do it and Matt was like well then we're going to do it and I was like bloody I don't get him involved <laughs> so confident <laughs> anyway so we signed up I was the only girl in the room and I was like I'm so I just, I just want to go home we're never going to win everyone here is 50 in a suit they're all men I'm half their age I'm a woman like we started with a blog this is just stupid Anyway, and then we won it in our category in London. And that was a kind of, again, just something that I, I genuinely, like me and people say, oh, I didn't expect it. I really did not expect no, it. Yeah. That was a really exciting moment. And we, we won and we actually left the region. We took it up to Tessa and went to show her the award. And it was just a really amazing moment for everyone. And it was really like, you know, been kind of quite a few, tough few months. And you just had that moment where you're like, why the hell are we doing this? And then to get that vote of confidence from people with that experience that you don't have, that you really respect and you really look up to, was just a kind of, yeah, you need those, I think, you know, whether it's that or whatever it is, those kind of moments that reaffirm your belief in your ability to do what you're doing. Well, you deserved it. Oh, no. You well, deserved it. Anyway, it sits very proudly. We're very, oh, very pleased. I'm actually looking at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's always been here. <laughs> well, thank you, Ella, for being, honestly, the shining example of everything I'm looking forward to being in my world. Certainly, I look at you coming through, and I'm a little bit older than you and far many more wrinkles than you, but you're growing something that's authentic and you're growing something that heals you're growing something that is real and you're obviously being very, very strong. And I wish you all of the success oh, in the in the you. world. And as you know, I ask each one of my yeah. guests to write a note to their younger self. Um, I don't read these prior, as I, it's a little treat, actually, to listen to soulful words. I just wanted to thank you in advance um, for today and for sharing a little bit of your soul with us. 
So Ella, what advice or words of wisdom would you pass on to the younger Ella? Okay, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's been really brilliant. Um, but yes, I wrote, this, I wrote this to myself last night. I loved it. I loved doing this. It was really cathartic, actually. I had a little cry at the end. Um, but um, here we go. Okay, so to my younger self, hindsight is a beautiful thing. And looking back, there is so much that I wish I'd known when I was younger. I still have a huge amount to learn in my life and feel that I'm only just getting started at this point. I don't think I'm even scratching the surface yet, but what I have come to realise is that your life is the result of an accumulation of millions of little, often seemingly inconsequential decisions, so do all the little things right. Put love into everyone you meet and everything you do every day. Be endlessly curious, find your passion and purpose, and dedicate real time to whatever that is. Don't shy away from standing out. Be proud of the things that make you different. Learn to embrace every unique quirk and allow your weaknesses to become your strengths. Living with an openness to vulnerability allows you to recognize where those weaknesses sit without overly criticizing yourself. We all have our limitations. That's just part of being human. We're innately flawed. And the more we can accept those parts of us, the more we can change them and grow. Find the tools you need to get to a place that allows you to look at life like this, the daily practices that create an ability to focus on gratitude and presence in the moment. This will create an ease in life that creates space for happiness like you haven't experienced before. Treat everyone you meet with complete kindness. Be open to the possibility of everything and trust that no matter how bad something seems at the time, somehow everything will be okay. There will be times where you feel you're lost to a point where you can't see the way forward and begin to fall into a dark place. At these moments, it may seem as though the future is bleak, but it's not. There are a lot of challenges coming your way, and believe it or not, you'll always manage to put one foot in front of the other through these times, and you will come out the other side. You'll learn more about yourself in these moments than at any other point in your life. In time, you'll also come to see that every negative can lead to a positive. If you keep your mindset focused on finding those positives and find those tools that allow you to generate a deep sense of gratitude for every day, then you'll reach the other side so much quicker. Finding deep love in your life is what will sustain you, lift you up and give your life meaning. Keep your heart open to everyone you meet. Be generous in your time to those that matter and never ever forget that at the end of the day, all that really matters is the people around you. Having seen death up close now in our family this year, I've learned that the last moments of your life are solely a reflection of the amount of good you've created and the love that you've lived with. And when that love is as deep and true as it can be, then even those moments of your life will have peace in them. There's nothing to be afraid of if you live a life that is filled with that kind of love. So never let fear of the unknown hold you back. And remember that each day does count because life really is that accumulation of every moment of every day. Thank you so much, Ella, for sharing really, really beautiful words. And I, for one, am super grateful to know you. And, um, oh, I've got tears in my <laughs> no, eyes. I always nothing <laughs> But thank you so much for your time. Oh, and, it's my um, pleasure. It's been thank a beautiful you. moment to spend with you. Thanks, NatWest, again for sponsoring this podcast. It's great to partner with an organisation that believes in empowering people in business. That's why they developed the NatWest Business Hub, which is full of information, tips and insights to help business owners meet their goals. Go to natwestbusinesshub.com to get started. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversations of Inspiration. 
I want as many people as possible to believe that they can build a business doing what they love. So could I ask a favour? If you like what you're listening to, would you rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcast provider? It will help others find this podcast and may just be the inspiration they need to follow their dreams. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown You will find that all the things that I have said Will come to when you are lying in your bed And if you want your friends to come